0: This is Meditations for Misfits, and I'm Fred Grewey. As I shared on an earlier podcast, not all spiritual experiences are to be trusted. So what then is a criteria we can use to determine if the experience we've had is legitimate, if if it's really from God? Over the years, as I've worked as a hospice chaplain, I've developed a list of spiritual vital signs. These are things to help me determine authentic spirituality. So here's my list of spiritual vitals. Gratitude, generosity, equanimity, humility, and an ability to bless the people that you love. These are the qualities that I'm working for in my own life as I try to improve my soul's health. These are the traits that I think help someone really become alive. Now, when it comes to gratitude, Benedictine monk David Stendhal Rast has famously promoted the mantra, it's not happiness that makes makes us grateful. It's gratefulness that makes us happy. And a brief scan of the TED Talks library gives you an indication of the growing awareness of the importance gratitude holds for spiritual and mental well-being. Rabbi Abraham Heschel says, It is gratefulness which makes the soul great. I've learned that gratitude is something that we can cultivate. It's also magnetic. The, The more I express gratitude, the more I find to be grateful for. Sadly, I've also learned the same is true for ingratitude. The more I bitch about the more I find to bitch about. Generosity. Well, in recent years, there's been a growing study, a body of research, to demonstrate that simply doing three kind things a day for others can help lift depression, improve sleep, and increase spiritual resilience. Generous behavior is evidence of a soul that's been humbled by the reception of grace and understands the deep connection that we all have for each other i've never really met a truly generous person who is not aware of how much they've been given as a gift and the natural response is to share that gift with others conversely stinginess and a sense of entitlement are symptoms of a grace starved soul by equanimity i mean one's ability to keep emotional balance while simply accepting the impermanent nature of life. There's a wonderful Zen story I love, told about an old monk famous for his equanimity. Now, every morning, this monk would rise at 5 a.m. and make a cup of tea, take it back to his room for morning meditation. His students devised a plan to see how authentic this equanimity was. So one morning at 4.30, they woke up and hid in the darkened hallway outside of the old monk's room. Now, as the monk was quietly walking back with his freshly brewed cup of tea, the students all jumped out of the alcove and screamed, Boo! The monk did not hesitate for a moment, continued back to his room where he placed the teacup on a table. Then he went back out into the hallway where the students were still gathered, and he threw his hands up in the air and in a startled motion yelled, Yikes! That's equanimity. The point here, there's a gap between the stimulus and our response. There's a a moment just after someone cuts me off in traffic and I respond. That moment offers a clear indication of my soul's equanimity or that lack thereof. If I can maintain my sense of emotional balance and not react unkindly or seek revenge, I think I'm doing pretty well. All living things die. So over the years, the folks I've met and served who can accept this fact with equanimity generally die a much less painful death. Now, when it comes to humility, one of the things I've learned is that if a spiritual experience is authentic, it is not elitist at all. It doesn't separate. A a true spiritual experience helps me understand that I am part of the web of all of creation and I'm interconnected with other beings. I learned this from one of my most trusted spiritual guides, Thomas Merton. And Merton, uh, after living a life of seclusion as a Catholic Cistercian monk for nearly two decades, on March 19th, 1958, he had a most unexpected epiphany while he was in Louisville recovering from a recent hospital stay. And Merton writes in his book, Conjectures of a Guilty Bystander, In Louisville, at the corner of 4th and Walnut, in the center of the shopping district, I was suddenly overwhelmed with the realization that I loved all those people, and they were mine and I theirs, and that we could not be alien to one another, even if We were total strangers. It was like waking from a dream of separateness, of spurious self-isolation in a special world, the world of renunciation and supposed holiness. This sense of liberation from an illusory difference was such a relief and such a joy to me that I almost laughed out loud. I have the immense joy of being human, a member of a race in which god became incarnate as if the sorrows and stupidities of the human condition could overwhelm me now i realize what we all are and if only everybody could realize this but it cannot be explained there's no way of telling people that they are all walking around shining like the sun if only They could all see themselves as they really are. If only we could see each other that way all the time. There would be no more war, no more hatred, no more cruelty, no more greed. I suppose the big problem would be that we would all fall down and worship each other. But this cannot be be seen, only believed and understood by a peculiar gift. I have no program for this seeing. It is only given. But the gate of heaven is everywhere. Merton's incredible experience at 4th and Walnut showed him he was part of all of humanity. And I think authentic spiritual experiences do that. If it creates a sense of elitism, that we're better, that we have it together, that we're the ones going to heaven, that we know the right way, I don't trust that kind of spiritual experience and this leads to humility and what is humility anyway well i'm not sure i can answer that since it's pretty much a foreign concept to my own nature and i think it's hard to define because the real thing is invisible rabbi heschel again says humility is extinguished by the awareness of it all i can say is that i do believe that it involves serving others or a cause, without trying to be the center of attention. And by an ability to bless others, this is an important thing that I've learned over the years, As I've served nearly 3,000 departed souls. I've never once had someone say to me, boy, I wish I'd have gone to more football games, or I wish I'd have spent more time online, or I could have done a lot more shopping. What matters most at the end of life are the people that we love and the people that love us. In fact, Rabbi Jesus says there's no more important investment we can make in this life than loving God and loving those who God places in our lives. For many years, I practiced Christianity thinking that this is what I needed to do to make God happy. But to my joyful surprise, over the years I've discovered this is what truly makes me happy. So these are my spiritual vital signs, signs to give me an indication of how really alive I am, to see if I'm really awake to the wonder of life, or I'm just asleep simply eking out an existence. As we conclude these podcasts on the book of Job, I, w- I would like to offer whatever else the book of Job is about. By the end of the story, these spiritual vital signs are certainly evidenced in the life of Job. These are characteristics that uh, certainly describe him by the end of the story. My prayer is that you and I will implement these traits into our lives without having to go through the trial that Job did. As always, thanks so much for allowing me to join you for these few moments as you travel through your life today. In conclusion, I'd like to share wisdom from Rabbi Jesus of Nazareth. One time a teacher of the law came up and asked him uh, and said, of all the commands, of all the mitzvahs, which is the most important? And Jesus replied, Shema Yisrael, Adonai lohenu, Adonai echad. V'havva eth Adonai Loheko biko lavavka, Uvko mavshecha, uvkol meodeka, v'havva Larecha chomoka. Which translated, says, "Pay attention, you who wrestle with God. God is one. Therefore, love God with all of your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbors, yourself." There is no mitzvah, no command greater than this.